0: Hey everyone. This is Jackie Cooper with Crypto Mom 2 Talk Show. And I want to thank everyone for hopping on this episode and also remind you for sure to definitely like and subscribe because there are many, many people that um, I am talking to, including my guest today, that have some very interesting information. And you definitely want to stay in the know because this area is constantly evolving, and um, it's all about education and resources. And it's really important that you um, stay connected. Um, so, I for those that are new to Crypto Mom too, I definitely want to thank you again for 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 listening. My background is that I'm a lawyer, and I'm also an educator, and I'm also a mom. And I started my journey a few years ago. It's amazing how fast time goes. But it's the the amount of time that I've been in this space is short in comparison to others. But I I started the show because I realized that um, I wanted to kind of document my journey, my education, and also help others as they were learning. And as I interviewed people around the world, I realized how much creativity there was in the space. And about and also how this could be a career path for those that um, are looking for um, this opportunity and just the, um, the, the change of technology and how it's going to help us in so many different ways. And again, um, my words don't do it justice, but with that, I would like to welcome my guest, Rohan. And um, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great, thanks for having
0: me. Yeah, yeah, so I um, I want you to take a moment to um, introduce yourself and your company. And for everyone who's listening on the talk side, hop over to the, the YouTube side as well. If you don't have paper and pen, I will be embedding all of the contact links so that way you can reach out and you can um, actually connect with um, uh, various resources that we're gonna be talking about. Um, both from, you know, the, the Twitter side, the Telegram side, and the company side. So, Rohan, why don't you go ahead and share um, who you are and what the company is, and then we're going to kind of dive into conversation about what you're doing.
1: Sure. So, hey everyone. I'm Rohan. I'm the co-founder and CEO at CypherOck. So, at CypherOck, essentially, we are building the safest web wallet in the world. Uh, My personal journey in crypto started somewhere around five to six years ago. I went to a hackathon, you know, was very interested to build uh, on the decentralization stack, found out, okay, Ethereum, a technology like Ethereum exists, but then was, you know, really shocked to see uh, something digital being sold for like $21. This is January 2017. I was like, who is buying this thing for $21? It's so expensive. It's digital. I mean, the whole intangible nature of crypto wasn't making sense to me, but uh, I was fascinated by the technology. We made some useful things uh, on the hackathon, and I, and I didn't buy Ethereum. I was just playing around on the testnet. But you know, fast forward five months, I was the same person who bought Ethereum at $250. So that's how <laughs> the journey started for me. Uh, so it was 2017, you know, uh, crypto was on the rise, uh, the whole ICO boom was there, uh, whether that was a fortunate or unfortunate thing, the time will tell. Uh, but that sort of introduced me into crypto because, you know, I was curious You know why was this something, why was this thing which was rising so much? What is the interest behind it? So my curiosity, you know, drove me to start investing and trading into the different assets, uh, you know, try to learn about these ICOs, what they are trying to do and everything. And then January 2018 arrived when most of the market crashed. And we, we realized, okay, we are not geniuses. Like everyone thinks they are a genius in a bull market. It's the beer market that teaches you these things. Um, so we thought, you know, we will rather, you know, work on the technology side of things rather than speculating on these assets, which we basically have no control over. Given that, you know, me and my co-founders, we, have a, we are both engineers by trade. So we were like, you know, it's much better to work on the technology side of things because that's where we are good at. We're not good at trading, you know, <laughs> we just uh, were lucky at the right time, I would say. So we we started, you know, looking into different areas or different problem statements in the space where we as unique individuals can really solve with our unique skill sets. And self custody was something which was very, you know, sort of uh, eye catching for us because when we found out how difficult it was to self custody at that time, we realized, okay, you know, this needs to be solved. You know, why do we have seed phrases? Why is there no inheritance? Like some very fundamental, basic problems that we found out with the self custody space. And you know, if you look into two thousand seventeen to fast forward six years today, um, it's the exchanges which has the most of the mind share in the industry today. And whether we like it or not, they are sort of the banks of the Web three ecosystem, right? So. Eventually, what we personally realized was that over the period of time, they are going to be regulated as banks. And so if you don't have self-custody being workable at scale, then we'll basically have finance 2.0 all over again, because these exchanges will be regulated back. And so it will be the same sort of old infrastructure that we already have. So self-custody was something we thought of was a very critical component of the whole ecosystem that needs to scale up for the masses. And so that was what became our mission statement that we wanted to solve self custody uh, for the masses. So we went down to working on this, try to think everything from first principles, not, not thinking what is already there in the market. Uh, we were fortunate enough to be backed by some of the best investors globally. And right now uh, <clears throat> it took us about two, 2.5 years to get the r and done. We are already done with Abita. We already have a few customers from seven to eight different countries and now we are looking to sort of scale up so that's been our journey so far
0: i love everything that you said now there, you've also mentioned a lot of different words that we're going to define so that way if individuals are not familiar uh, because, uh, as you know, I'm all a part, you know, part of education. I want to make sure people understand. Um, so you mentioned. I'm going to kind of go through my list here in my head. You mentioned Web Two, Web Three. Let's start there. What's the? Right. What would you define as the difference between Web Two and Web Three? Because again. Um, we all remember when the internet was created. Uh, Well, most of us remember, some of us remember because we're old enough to remember when it was created, but you know, again, there are others that were born into it and just, you know, it's kind of natural, but what's what's the difference between web two and web three?
1: So web two is essentially, you know, what you know of internet today, which is for every service that you want to use today or any product that you want to use today on the internet, you basically have a username and password and that's how you basically authenticate onto a specific web2 based network right so let's take an example of facebook maybe google maybe amazon it's the same authentication mechanism wherein the major difference is that all of the data and all of uh, the interactions happen on someone else's property which is let's assume facebook for this instance so if you're creating a facebook account that is being created in a facebook database which they control essentially right um, which was great because they, that business model allowed you to use their service for free and they were, you know, uh, for the scale that they were getting at, they were, you know, okay with using it for free in exchange for your valuable data over time, right? Which they eventually monetize it. Right. So you use a specific service that they're, that is their property. But then over time, what people realize is, you know, these, these big companies actually serve their shareholders and not their users over time. So if, because every company have these two set of stakeholders, one is your shareholder and one is your customers or the users, right? And over time, it's like a company is built to serve their shareholders over the users. That, that's always going to be a case if, if you are a for-profit company. And that is what happened over time, right? So you see all of these, um, Incidents where Facebook bans so and so individual, like you know, like the prime minister, uh, the president of the United States, over, over its platform for whatever reason, right? So essentially, they control those assets, and therefore they have the they have the ability to control what is going to be there on the platform, essentially. And then Bitcoin came around. Uh, Bitcoin b- basically started the whole Web three movement, I would say, wherein it was the first network in the world without a central authority. So Facebook, it's a central authority, controls a complete network. Uh, Whereas Bitcoin, there's no central authority behind Bitcoin. So there's no person on an organization or a group of people that you can point to a gun at. And if they die tomorrow, the network is going to stop. That is never going to be the case. Um, So it essentially started the movement of having a decentralized network where there's no single point of failure. There's no single Uh, organization or group of people controlling the whole network and then Bitcoin was essentially started uh, for decentralizing money because even money is sort of controlled by different governments Uh, and then people looked into Bitcoin, they were like, you know, okay, this is a great technology to decentralize money. Well, is this possible to sort of use the same technology to decentralize other aspects uh, or other use cases, right? So social media being one, and then you have Ethereum being majorly used for DeFi application wherein all of the different financial primitives are being decentralized right now and using the similar sort of infrastructure, essentially. So that is where the mind shifted. So it's like Google at one point used to say that uh, we'll never be evil, but then you know how it turned out so but the motto in the web3 ecosystem is you can't be evil so it's like the motto shifted from i don't want to be evil to i can't be evil so even if a, a, a protocol tries to be evil it can it can't be evil essentially because it's all permissionless because it's decentralized there's no central authority that sort of controls uh, how a protocol needs to be Go learn I'm going to
0: interrupt you for just a quick second to, just to say for everyone who's listening because um, I usually mention it at the beginning but I didn't, these shows are not financial advice so you definitely have to invest at your own yeah. risk. You have to educate yourself. Um, so you mentioned, you mentioned about protocols and things like that. Protocol is like the business plan of um, a coin or the business that's on the web three. So it's really important that you read those books um, protocols, those white papers, those light papers. And one of the things that I just want to mention for everyone who's listening is that um, uh, even though the intent of a lot of protocols are good, sometimes even those businesses fail and so yeah. because of maybe lack of funding or whatever and so it is important to know that um, you have to that, that there no matter your whether it's a traditional business or an online web 3 or web 2 you have to do your research because um, again Um, as you navigate in any space, there's always the chance of loss, just as well as the chance of gain. So you have to do this with eyes wide open. So I want to transition. I love what you were saying. I want to transition over to some other concepts that you talked about. You talked about wallets, and you talked about security, um, and you talked about self-custody. People might not understand what a wallet is, or what self custody is. Um, exactly. So, why don't you um, share a little bit more about that um, from your perspective? Because I also love the fact that your your background is tech. You know, it's the engineering, it's the tech side, and you are doing what you know. I see a lot of uh, of individuals in this space are doing. You're looking at what are the problems, and your right. your your goal is to solve the problem. So, go ahead and share. Sure. So.
1: I would say the easiest analogy here is gold, right so there are essentially two ways to keep your gold. one is either you basically keep it in a bank locker with a bank and that's where you keep it you know as a safety you know deposit box or whatever and the second way is which most of the people find uh easier and safer is to actually keep it with themselves in their hopes right so that's that's how I would that's how I would, uh, I would like to sort of differentiate between custody and self custody. So in this case, uh, the gold which you keep with your bank is essentially a custody sort of mm-hmm. thing, and then the gold which you keep with yourself it's essentially self custody. Now with Web two, it's like everything was custody. You you could never self custody anything. You cannot. You can never self-custody the data that you have already given to Facebook, right? And then once you give it to them, it's like they don't need to take permission from you to access that data every time you want because they it's stored with themselves, right? Um, that's where Web three really comes in, uh, wherein the crypto that is there, the asset itself, uh, or the token. Uh, there are two ways to keep it. One is with an exchange, so you might be aware about crypto, different crypto exchanges like Finance, Coinbase, and the others, wherein you are basically custodying your tokens, protocols, Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever, uh, with a specific exchange. You are trusting them that they are not going to screw against you. Or there's another way to keep it with yourself. That's what Web3 enables, right? Um, and that's enabled through something called as wallets. Um, in the Web3 technical terms, it's like, just like you have key to your home, there's uh, something called as a private key, which uh, sort of allows you to, get to, to give you access to your crypto, right? So it's, it's essentially a key to unlock your crypto. The crypto itself is stored on the blockchain, but to unlock that crypto, you need that private key. And the thing is, you need to secure this private key. Otherwise, if someone else gets access to this private key, they can take out your crypto pri- crypto without taking your permission because everything is permissionless and everything is pseudonymous in this
0: ecosystem. So um, I've heard, and uh, well, I mean, and I don't know, you're going to be able to explain it better than me. You have your private keys, your seed words, and and for those that um, I'll give my link about the crypto wallet wealth organizer, you're definitely supposed to have it offline, even though I know you're going to be talking about things that you're creating, which will also help as well. Um, what's the difference between the public key and the private key? Can you explain? Because I, I heard that if you did lose your private seat words, that there's um, a back way to maybe recover. Is that true? Um, you're frozen. Okay, there you are. You're back. Yeah, I'm so, so sorry. that's okay. That's okay. It's all good. Did you hear the question that I was asking you? Yeah, I'm so sorry. It's, I forgot.
1: I didn't hear the that
0: question. That's okay. I will ask you. Um, so what I've heard and uh, talking to others is that you have your private key. But I also heard that there is a a public key um, that is another way to backdoor so that way you can, if you had to, you could maybe recreate. Um, Can you explain and clarify what I heard um, about that information? So for everyone who's on, um, we're having a little bit of technical challenge. Um, Rohan, hi Rohan, you're I'm back. So sorry. I'm it's so okay. sorry. It's okay. It's okay. There is some power issues, so yeah. Yes, not a problem. Not a problem. I uh, I explained to the listeners that we were having a little bit of a tech challenge. Why don't you go ahead and explain more about what your company's doing and um, the how you're solving the problem?
1: Sure. So just like you have a username and password to authenticate yourself into a web two based product or service, um, that's how you authenticate it there. And then in case you lose, um, you know, your password, you can go and click forget password, and then Facebook will give you a unique link to reset your password. That's how authentication and recovery works in the web two space, right? But if you are actually like self custodining your wallet, the thing is there's no Facebook, there's no central authority. To look after you essentially right so similar to your username and password in web3 you have something called as a private key and a public key. A private key is similar to your password. You have to keep it safe with yourself. Uh, and the public key is essentially similar to like a username. So you give it to someone and then through that they will be able to trans transfer your crypto if you you know if you want to receive it uh, from them. And if you want to send your crypto then you need to use your private key to actually authorize a specific transaction. Now, the key difference here between a password and a private key is password is something you can generate it yourself. You can keep it as long as you want or keep it as short as you want. But private keys are very lengthy in nature. And so you can't really remember it. It's, it's practically not possible for you to remember it just like you remember your passwords. So you have to either write it down somewhere or you have to store it somewhere, essentially. right? So a wallet is essentially like a mechanism to store that security. A wallet could be a paper wallet wherein you have stored your private key on a piece of paper. A wallet could be, you know, something like uh, your desktop, it could be a mobile phone app, or it could be something as secure as a separate hardware built specifically for keeping that private key, right? So there's various ways of keeping that private key secure. I mean, and that's reasonably a trade-off between convenience and security. Um the, the problem with the private key over the long period of time is if you lose it, your funds are going to be inaccessible forever. That's the most important part here. That's the first important part, which is solving the loss problem with private keys. If you lose it, what what happens then? Because if you lose your password, you can go to Facebook, and they'll help you recover your account. But in Web3, if you lose your private key, it's gone forever, your your assets are never going to be recoverable. So that's challenge number one. How do you solve the loss problem? challenge number two is the theft problem which is if let's assume i'm a hacker and if i get access to your private key somehow um i can basically make a transaction from your account without your permission and once i transact it out there's no way to reverse that transaction so with the banking system you can still go to the bank and say hey i did a wrong transaction or whatever and there are some cases where you will be able to reverse that transaction because it's the bad that control the whole experience. But with that pre, all the transactions are irreversible. So once they are done, they're done forever. You will not be able to reverse them. And so if a hacker manages to make an unauthorized transaction on your behalf from your wallet, there's no way you will be able to get the funds back, number one. And number two, because these networks are pseudonymous, there's no concept as so-called as KYC. Um, you will never be able to file a case against the hacker in the court until unless you will be unless you magically find out who the hacker is. Uh, until that case, it's not possible to to actually get your, your assets back or maybe, you know, um, file a case against them in the court. So how do you solve for both of these loss and theft issues? And that's where we as a company come in. So we at Cypherock, we are building the safest, Crypto wallets or safest Web3 wallet. And the, the problems that we intended to solve for are as follows. So, the number one thing is you have to realize everything in the world is hackable today because there's nothing 100% secure you can have. That's like just from first principles. Um, an exchange can be had, you know, Coinbase, Binance, all of those have been had in some form or another in the past. Um, similar with other wallets. So, if you consider someone like MetaMask, Which is usually what most of the people use if you're using a crypto wallet, or maybe something like a hardware wallet, wherein your private keys are stored in a specific hardware. Um, Even they have been hacked before. So the top two ones, they have been hacked in the past two to three years, right? So there's nothing 100% secure that you can ever create. Um, And so the way we thought about a solution here is. We know that hardware can be hacked, but what if we never stored the private key itself in a single place so that even if the hardware or one component of the hardware is breached, the funds are still not compromisable, right? So, we de- essentially, in the most layman terms, we decentralize the private key itself also. Whereas with all of the other wallets, it's stored in a single place. With us, we decentralize the private key. So, um, on the technical side of thing, how this works is your private key, instead of being stored in a single place, we sort of distribute it into five parts, which you can store in different locations. So one in your bank locker, one in your home, one in your office, you know, any five places that you like. And we don't control this. It's the user who's controlling this whole experience. And we will never know where you store these because these are completely offline parts. It's a hardware product, just uh, to be clear. Is this um, what but, called
0: called um, a cold card or what is this ca- called? Does it have a, a name? new way
1: of doing this. this a new way of doing it. Time yeah so it's like every other wallet was this single form of hardware when your private keys were stored but this is the first time someone is attempting to do something like this whereas your private keys are not stored in a single place it's decentralized into five parts but the magical thing here is uh whenever you want to make a transaction you don't need to fetch all of these five parts you just need to fetch any two out of these five in any order to make a transaction so maybe you fetch the first part and the fifth part that is enough to make a transaction or to wow. fetch the second card and the fourth part that is enough to make a transaction that's so, amazing yeah that's uh that's how it is the closest mm-hmm. there is to this kind of solution is something called as multisig which is sort of there so multisig implementation for bitcoin is different multisig implementation for ethereum is different the problem with multisig is it doesn't work for every sort of asset.
0: So why don't so- you go ahead and I, I don't wanna I love your flow of information. I, I don't want to interrupt it, but explain to people what multi-sig means.
1: Sure. So most of the wallets are generally operate on the principle of single sig, which is single signature. Yes. When you have a private key, you use it to sign a transaction, which in layman terms it means to authorize a specific transaction. And then that's how, you know, once that is broadcasted to the blockchain network, it gets accepted and then, uh, you know, whatever transaction that you intended to do actually gets executed, right? Uh, With multi-sig, things are a little different, wherein, uh, think of it like this, there is like three people in a specific company. And then if you want to do a Bitcoin multi-sig, you know, transaction, so what that would mean is, you can have a specific scheme set up uh, or in layman terms that's like access control inside an organization, wherein maybe there are three people, the CEO, CMO, and CTO. And you need at least two out of the three to basically make construct a specific transaction and then accept it. So it's like, even if let's assume the CEO, CEO goes rogue and wants to do a transaction, he alone cannot execute that transaction. At least two out of these three people needs to go rogue in order to make a unauthorized transaction, essentially. right? So essentially, it's like two of three scheme, wherein you need any two, but at least two of the people to make a transaction. That's the multisig premise. The key difference with our implementation and what multisig offers is three, three core differences. So number one is multisig happens on chain, which means the whole construction and execution of a specific transaction happens on the blockchain itself. So it's a little costly to do it because it's a little complicated transaction. You'll have to pay a lot more fees. Um, The second problem with that implementation is um, it only works for certain chains. So Bitcoin has been the most sort of reliable chain over the years. And therefore, I personally trust only Bitcoin's multisig implementation. But if there is a faulty implementation of specific chain, things could go really, really wrong. So this, this ha- actually happened r- roughly about six, seven years ago when Ethereum split into Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. And the, the specific reason for that split was because there was something called as a DAO hack, in, which was a faulty multi contract through which the hackers were able to compromise somewhere between $100 to $300 worth of Ethereum out of that contract. right? And that's why the chain split because of their political sort of issues at that time. We will not go over that. But that is what I'm trying to say, that even multisig implementation would be faulty on a specific chain. And the thing with blockchain, is, if it's done, it's done, right? So you, you can't like re- reverse things back on a specific blockchain. And some of the newer blockchains don't even have a multisig implementation natively on that. So how do we solve for this? So the way we solve this is we use something called a Shamir secret sharing, which is the parent technology behind multisig. So multisig is actually derived from Shamir secret sharing. And the great part about uh, the great part about Shamir secret sharing is it's actually works off chain. So it doesn't need to rely on a specific blockchain. It works off the chain, which means we can provide similar security guarantees that multisig provides. But for every blockchain that exists today, and for every blockchains that are going to exist tomorrow because it's completely off chain it's completely blockchain agnostic so it doesn't need to comply with a specific blockchain so it's like it's it's like the holy grail i would say right like, so any blockchains that you know doesn't have it can have similar security guarantees with us and it's much mu- much more easier to use with multisig, it's like you have to have these different wallets initialize all of them, you know, make specific uh, blockchain transactions or blockchain calls uh, individually through those wallets. But in this, it's like you just tap a card and it's done. So very similar to how your debit cards and credit cards works, but at 10x more security than any other wallet out there in the world today. So that's our key differentiator, which is, as I explained you, you need any two out of the five to make a transaction. So it's like, the way we solve the loss problem is even if you lost any three out of the five, you still have the remaining two to recover back your asset. So you're okay to lose any three out of the five and still be safe that your funds are safe. That's not the case with your other wallets. If you lose them and your seed phrase, your funds are gone forever. Right? But in this case, even if you lost any three, your funds are still secure. That's how we solve the loss problem. The way it solves the theft problem is. Now for a hacker to compromise your assets, number one, they'll have to find the locations of at least two out of these five things. So that's the biggest problem they have to solve for. Hypothetically speaking, they managed to find it. Let's assume that they managed to find the device and maybe one of the cards. Then they'll have to crack open the pin slash the password protection on top of these cards and the device, which is practically impossible because we use the same security, you know, solutions which are actually if you can see on the screen yeah, these are the cards it. yeah these are the cards and this is the device so essentially when you buy the product you get one of this device and four of these cards essentially which which means the total of the five things essentially
0: yeah
1: and in order to for you to make a transaction you just need to fetch any one of the card tap it on the device and enter the pin that you had set and a transaction will be done right for a hacker to compromise this they actually have to crack open these cards And these cards are not your normal RFID cards. These are the same cards used in the banking industry to make your debit cards and credit cards. So if they manage to crack open the pin on top of this, which relies on the 50-year security guarantees of the banking industry, the banking industry probably is going to go down before us, I would say, right? If if they're able to do. so. So it relies on the security guarantees that is already existing in the banking industry since the past 50 years. We are just sort of, reporting in a more user friendly way for the for the users uh, of the web3 ecosystem
0: so that's the first problem we solved so i I'm, I'm glad that you showed the visual of what the product looked like because i think that that's important for people to see i know that when you when everyone who's listening um, goes over to your your platform they'll be able to yeah. look at both the product as well as look at you know the company background and that type of thing yeah. You were about to share um, the next thing that you solved, the next problem, I think. I interrupted yeah, so you. So
1: that was the first problem, which is how do we make the security of these wallets 10x than what is already out there, right? So that's the first problem. The second and the biggest problem we see in the space is the seed phrase, which is every wallet that you use today, you have to back up your private keys on something called as a seed phrase, which is like those 24 words that you have to write down on a piece of paper and store it somewhere else. And the reason why you need to do it today is because what if you lose your wallet? What if your laptop gets corrupted? What if the hardware that you bought, what if that's lost? What if it gets corrupted, right? Due to a malicious software update, or whatever. Like there are tons of you know, different um, things which could happen to that wallet, right? And therefore, if anything happens to your wallet, you know you need to have that piece of paper along with you in order for you to basically port or recover back your assets. But think about this. On one hand, you're using something as a wallet to secure your funds, but on the other hand, you're exposing the same sort of private keys on a piece of paper, right? It, it doesn't make sense for a user because for a hacker, he will not try to hack your wallet. He'll go for your seat phrase because it's literally your life savings on a piece of paper that, that I can just take it away and then transfer it out, right? It's much, much easier for me to hack it, right? Um, so it doesn't make sense for us. And that's how all of the wallets in the world at least for the web3 ecosystem works today we we were like you know we need to solve this uh, because it's a big blocker for the users who come into the ecosystem even the nft artists the thing is those guys and we can't expect the general masses to be technical right we need, we have to design products which are usable by masses which doesn't require to have uh, technical expertise to use it right and so what hap- what uh, happens with nft artists today is they use these wallets, they use something like a MetaMask wallet. Um, they don't know the technicalities about using a wallet. A random stranger on in the internet says, Hey, you you want five ETH, 10 ETH, you know, in order for you to do it, give me your seed phrase. And then don't they don't realize the importance of seed phrase, they give it, then they give their seed phrase to random strangers on in the internet and then just they, they just lose out the NFTs or whatever fund that they have stored on that wallet, right? And it would be wrong to say that a user needs to take care of this because the ecosystem has to do better to solve for this and that's where we sort of are trying to come in. so what we have done is because your priorities are never stored in a single place you don't need to back it up on a piece of paper that's the magical thing here because your funds are so, your priorities are sort of decentralized into four of these cards and the device so it's like even if you lose three of them your funds are still recoverable from these two or if you lost these three parts of them, your funds are still recoverable from these two. So you don't need to back up your, you know, uh, private keys or your funds on a piece of paper. You don't need that. So we have to completely removed the need to, you know, store it on a piece of paper and make your complete cryptocurrencies insecure in the first place. So that is the big sort of challenge that we solve for in the ecosystem that you don't need to back it up on a piece of paper, it's gone for the users. Now, it's not that we are trying to gatekeep it, if you still want to view your seed phrase, you can still do it through the device. So that's still doable, right? Uh, If you maybe, you know, you didn't like the product or maybe, you know, you are, you know, more interested to use a ledger wallet or whatever, any other wallet, you can still, you know, view the seed phrase and transfer it out into another wallet because crypto is all about being open and then be collaborative rather than try to keep 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 everything. So that's the second problem we solve.
0: I love Um, it. I I love it. Was there a third problem? Otherwise, I was going to ask you a question. Yeah, the third
1: problem is, uh, again, a very important problem, which is how do we solve for crypto inheritance? And I believe this is something very interesting to you on a personal level as well, since you are from the uh, you know, the law background, which is with all of the other asset classes, it's the government and the banks that take care of the inheritance process for the user in case something happens to the user, you know, it's a bank and the government that, you know, execute that will or essentially, you know, help, help transfer the assets in case something happens to the user. But with crypto, that's somewhat very difficult because there's one way you can do is give your seed face to your lawyer, who will then transfer your assets to your loved one because, but what if the lawyer goes rogue? Nothing against you, but like that is a hypothetical situation that could happen, right? Uh, there could be uh, malicious attempts like that. So you obviously, and on that second hand, you know, you there's a nominee that could be your wife, your husband, your parents, whoever you want to transfer your assets eventually to in case something happens to you. Um, so you trusted them. Right now, you gave them your seed phrase, you gave them your access to your wallets. But hypothetically speaking, what if the relationship changes? Because things like this happen in inheritance, right? like people fight over money yeah i mean and as unfortunate as that is but that, that is the practical scenario which happens in on a day to day basis all over the world so you obviously cannot give your private keys while you are alive because you know what if you know things go wrong and for obvious reasons you cannot give it after you are dead because you know you are already dead so how do you transfer these assets when do you transfer the assets and how do you make sure that the control and the privacy of the assets are maintained throughout the process. right? Very fundamental problems that exist uh, you know, with uh, crypto inheritance today as well. So the way we help here is we enable users to transfer access to these assets from them to, to their loved ones without us ever knowing how much crypto they hold. So we'll never know how much crypto you hold as a user. And secondly, we'll never be able to compromise it ourselves ever as well. So it's like, even if you want to, we'll never be able to compromise it, but still help you transfer it in case something happens to you. And the reason that is possible is because these cards are always offline. So even if you want to, we can never access them. That's the key differentiator. And that's why a hardware solution is necessary to solve something like a crypto inheritance problem. wherein even if you want to, we will never be able to get, get, uh, get those assets out from you. So that's the uh, the inheritance thing is still in the design and the development process. We'll uh, sort of share it more openly in the next couple of months with with the users of how that is possible.
0: I I I, I agree with you, and this is one of the things that uh, this is one of the reasons why I created my uh, wallet organizer, which is um, uh, you know obviously a lot simpler than what you created. Um, and I and I appreciate what you created and, in terms of uh, both the the security aspect of it as well as the flexibility aspect of it. Um, as a lawyer, I agree with you that um, that was a problem that I was I as I spoke with people, I found one. I found out that people didn't have a will, they weren't yep. sharing with families that they had um, invested in different altcoins or crypto or NFT, yep. Yep. and and the and they didn't have an estate plan or yep. they had a will and they still weren't sharing. And so the yep. challenge that I had as a professional and and um, is that, I've, and as an educator and a mom, I think that everyone in your family, in your circle needs to know what you're doing. I agree yep. with you, there's privacy that you need to have, have because, you know again, in case of a family split or an argument, you wanna make sure that you still have access to your, um, your assets, yep. but I know that, um, If you don't share with your family the existence and also teach them, and that's actually one of the reasons why I created the the organizer, not just for the purpose of the seed phrases, it actually shows the steps of, now your solution is a little different, but for for individuals that are opening up a a wallet, some of it's app-based, some of it's web-based, some of the, you know you might need to use Google Authenticator, you might need to use the email, there's a lot of steps involved to get access to the information the the assets. So once you do move the assets over to something like yours, then it becomes a lot simpler. Yeah. Um, but these are steps that I think everyone needs to be thinking about. Um, how do you how do you preserve what you are um, investing in? And again, you know you know these shows are not financial advice, but I'm all about organizing information because yeah. if you if something does happen to you. And you leave it on the blockchain, and you haven't shared with your family. Then all of a sudden, that inheritance that you've tried to create for them is there forever, and you don't have yep. any, 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 any access. They don't have any access to it. So, um, so the, your solution is very interesting from the perspective of not having to KYC because of the yep. fact that um, you have the. The, the cards and the, um, the other device. Um, so these are, these are things that I think are really important. Um, so for everyone who's listening, we've had a really um, great conversation about, um, about this area. I know that Rohan and I probably can have a ongoing episodes to discuss um, the technology. The solutions and the the options that are available for individuals. So this can be you know the first of many episodes. I will um, put with embedded within our conversation access to where you can reach him and explore and ask questions because I'm all about you know asking questions. I would also say that if you have any. Um, legal questions about the wills or estate planning or any other questions you know message me i might not have the answers but i'm happy to do the research if i do uh, if i am able to help you i will help you And um, one last thing that I'll mention is I um, recently wrote a book called The Bitcoin Cinderella, which um, is available on Amazon at BitcoinCinderella.com. And the reason why I wrote that book is really to open up the discussions between the adults and youth, um, different ages, because the blockchain, just like you talked about, Rohan, Web 2 has been around for a while. Web 3 is going to be around for a while. And we need to all have these conversations. This is actually the first fairy tale series about Web 3. And so we really need to have this conversation so everyone feels comfortable navigating. And um, the solutions that you're, you know, solving right now um, are going to make it easier for the next generation of individuals to come and kind of explore. Um, But again, I'll I want to thank you for being on. Any last minute thoughts that you want to share with the listeners? I mean, it's
1: like this ecosystem is here to stay. Mm -hmm. And I would say that ultimately you are going to be the person who are, who's going to be responsible for your own wealth. So one of the things that I've noticed, and you would definitely agree with me is people try to follow other people's advice too much. So I would say, even if whatever we are saying, like do take it with a pinch of salt and then do your own research as well. You know, don't blindly sort of follow us for everything that we say. Uh, I would say, you know, double check and verify everything. Um, And if you have that as a habit, that would be great. So that, you know, we'll be able to, as an ecosystem, have lesser hacks and compromises over time because what you know the biggest reason for hacks and compromises usually is people start following others and then they, over time it, it converts into not just following but blindly following them. And then that's where things go wrong, I would say, right. So do do listen to you know uh, informational content, but always verify things on your end as well. both financial and both non-financial aspects of the
0: web 3 ecosystem. I agree with you totally. Um, Thank you so much for being on. I look forward to our next conversation. Everyone remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. We're all connected. We're all one world and have a great day. And definitely remember, like, and subscribe because um, each conversation that I have on Crypto Mom 2 can maybe provide another bit of information for you as you do your own research. Um, Thank you so much and have a great day.